listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world and next to no cost with credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Thanks for joining me for podcast episode 69, Miles, Points, and Mortgage with Ryan L. Alexander of I Teach Credit. Before today's discussion, a quick show note. I'll be hosting monthly meetups in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania for the group Greater Philadelphia Travel, Credit, Miles, and Points. Following a successful trial run in November of 2022, the first official monthly meetup will occur in early January 2023. Find more information at meetup.com slash Philly Miles and Points. Find a link in the show notes. And here's today's episode with Ryan L. Alexander. All right, I'm here today with Ryan L. Alexander from I Teach Credit. Thank you for coming on the show and joining me today. Thanks, Justin, man. It's awesome to be a part of it with you. All right, great. So we'll talk about many things today, miles and points, mortgage, credit, Dave Ramsey, couponers, all the things, all the things. Uh, the war with Dave Ramsey and couponers is still going on. But first, we'll talk about credit and miles and points. So what's what's the big deal? People think, oh, miles and points, it's not worth it. Oh, why bother? Who cares? I'll just pay for travel. The earning isn't going to be significant. But you've been using miles and points very often to take vacation and travel and make these trips that you otherwise wouldn't have taken or would to have paid full cash money for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny you bring that up and, and people do say, oh, is it really worth it? And then the hassle and all the stuff. My wife and I, ironically, we just got married four weeks ago and we did a pre-wedding trip just because it worked out with family and stuff. But essentially we flew to Italy or to, uh, actually it was Barcelona, Spain and um, Madrid. And it was $1,700 in flights and we didn't pay anything other than the taxes. And we had also had two free hotel night stays over there, all from credit card points and rewards and stuff like that. So like when people say, oh, is it really worth it? It's not worth it. And I'm like, $1,700 for flying across the coast of Europe. I'm like, it's cheaper to fly to Europe than it is to rent an RV and see the United States. So that, <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. So yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. And I think it's it's amazing because if you're using credit for just your normal everyday spend, your gas, your groceries, your Friday night fast food, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and even for me, I'm using it to pay rent. We'll talk a little bit about that later, possibly buying a house, but I'm using it for everyday spend and some more creative spending methods. But even for the people who are just using their so-called everyday spend or organic spend, hey, here's a card to spend 3,090 days. We'll give you 60,000 points, $500. You're getting a really big rebate just for being responsible with your finances, as I always want to add that asterisk. This is for people who are responsible, not people who are just going to run up balances and um, paying out interest for the rest of their lives. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the things that, you know, I always tell all of my clients and people that I work with or even friends and family, credit cards don't mean debt. They just mean a different way to pay with the potential of a lot of rewards. If you use them responsibly, it's a good thing. If you don't, it could be a crippling thing. But yes, just use them responsibly and everything will be just fine. And how does that look like on your end, managing these accounts? Is personally, I'm logging into my accounts one day a week, seeing if a payment is due, paying off the full statement balance, checking in from time to time just to see the certain benefits and certain things have been applied to some of my purchases. So I, I don't see the upkeep as so big as some critics are like, oh, it takes so much time to manage these accounts. I don't think it's very hard. I mean, if we think about the amount of time we spend scrolling through Facebook or checking our fantasy football <laughs> stats, it's kind of like... Really, you're going to tell me it's hard and it's complicated. 
I mean, in reality, every weekend, you know, when I first got started and what I teach all my clients, when you first get started, especially with credit cards is just log in once a week and just, you know, or create a spreadsheet and just say, okay, what, you know, what cards, what's their reporting date and what's their due date. And then every single week, just look and say, Hey, do I have anything in the next five days that I need to address and just pay it then? I mean, and in reality, in the beginning, when you only have two or three banks that you're working with, you can literally log in, check two, three cards, whatever you have. And it's done. I mean, it literally is like a five minute process. So it's not complicated as long as you just set that time aside. And I always say, when you get paid that day, just spend five minutes and just check and say, okay, I need to check my Chase cards. I need to check my Amex cards or, you know, Bank of America, whatever you have. It really is only five minutes. In the beginning, it may take you 10 minutes to get acclimated with the platform, but you're talking about just a couple minutes you know, every week, you know, and then when you get bigger limits, it's like once every two weeks or once a month, depending on the situation, it's very, very simple. If you just make it a little bit of a habit or a routine. And great. We we have all these credit cards. I'm, I'm sporting over 35 at the moment, and maybe even more if you're counting um, certain business cards that have no personal guarantee or different vendor accounts. And you, you also have a lot of cards. So why not just have one or two cards? Why are you going for so many? So that's a good question. You brought up the point earlier. The first thing is sign-up bonuses. When you're getting sign-up bonuses that are giving you over $2,000 of value just for getting a new card and then spending wisely or putting a certain amount of spend in a certain period of time, again, that you would normally spend anyway, why would you not do that? And some of those cards, they have no annual fees. So once you do that, you get the sign-up bonus. You just keep it open indefinitely you're good to go. And, you know, for me, that's, it's a great way to continue to build credit. It's a great way to, you know, get sign up bonuses that you can get free trips, free travel, free, whatever. It's just a, it's a perfect way to go. Yeah. And some of the benefits is I recently got back from a stay at a Hyde hotel. I was there for five nights and it completely covered the parking. I had free breakfast. I had 4 PM late checkout. So there wasn't a need to wake up at say nine in the morning to check out at 11. So some of these benefits that we're getting from the cards are, are really nice. Washington, D.C., I had a free night certificate to use out there for a concert. So I was just within like 10 minutes walking distance from the concert rather than having to drive like 30, 40 minutes and figure out city parking. So some, some nice things. Uh, what we got like airline seat upgrades and statuses for free check bags, first class, business class possibilities. So it really opens up a, a world of travel. And for people who aren't traveling, even cashback. As I've been cashing out points through American Express, I looked so far, I've earned 1.3 million Amex membership rewards this year. So it's really cashing out, really making a difference for like $13,000. That's just from one issuer. And that's on a worst case scale. If you actually use those for international travel and you understand how to use, you know, transfer partners, you can get a heck of a lot more than that out of, out of those points. Yeah. So we're able to take a hybrid approach if we really want to, as some people are just cash back, some are just travel. But I, I tend to mix that because I just have a lot of points coming in through a lot of creative spending and some of that organic spend, the so-called everyday spend. But the creative spending is definitely moving the needle like I'm reselling things on eBay. So I just got a PlayStation 5. There's you know a big chunk of spend right there. And if I can keep moving these PlayStation 5s and selling at a profit, then that's, that's pretty good. And also uh, leveraging 0% APR, as you've talked about some of that. So can you tell us about, about that? Going back to, you know, look at any kind of tool. Like I'm always careful, but let's just take a hammer, for example. 
Can a hammer create some amazing things in life? Absolutely. It could help you build houses. It could help you build boats. It could help you do all kinds of things. Can it also smash your fingers and wreck property? <laughs> sure. It could also do that stuff. It could bash somebody's head in if you have the wrong person holding it or using it. That's the reality with credit cards. I mean, when you look at credit cards and the tool that, first off, credit cards themselves, like you said, getting a credit card and then having you know 12 months, 18 months with zero. How much money does that save an average person over the course of 18 months if they pay zero money in interest? Then you have a credit score. Go out and try to buy a house like, you know, our boy Dave Ramsey says, oh, you don't need credit. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. We'll, we'll get into him later for sure. <laughs> with, with the, right. With the point of entry being $400,000 today, who's saving up $400,000 on a $60,000 a year salary? It's not happening. But if you have a good credit score, you can make $60,000, have an 800 credit score and get preferential treatment and the best, most favorable loan conditions. So like using credit wisely and being able to have 0%, you know, credit cards, or maybe you want to start a business and you're either using 0%, you know, balance transfer cards or even credit cards with 0% financing on the first 12 months. There's so many doors of opportunity that are open to you with proper education, with proper understanding. But I mean, credit cards are one of the greatest financial tools. It's crazy in America, you don't get these in some of the other countries. And with some of the international travel, I don't know if you've done this, but if you ask how credit works in other countries, they don't have it like we do here. So we really do have the most amazing opportunities to take credit, regardless if you make $30,000 a year or $300,000 a year, you can have the same credit score and have significant value come out of it. Yeah, people often talk about, oh, this is a once in a lifetime vacation or a once in a lifetime opportunity. I, I went to Disney, but I won't be able to travel again in 10 years. I got back and now I'm broke. Like a lot of people talking about being paycheck to paycheck. But if I could have like once in a li lifetime vacations or opportunities multiple times a year, even every few months, every month even, it's like, wow, I've transcended time in a way. Like I'm having multiple lifetimes in a lifetime and there's no way I was going to foot a bill of paying like $4,000 business class, $6,000 to fly to Italy recently. I'm not going on cruises and paying like 2K, 3K out of pocket. And normally who would ever be able to cover that cost for a first class ticket? People won't do that in 10 years. You can do it one trip because of points. Yeah, it, it's really a game changer. So for the naysayers out there, it's they're, they're really missing out on, on so, so much. And it's really not as intimidating as I think, you know, like you said, start with one card and from there, put the minimum spend, reach the sign up bonus, and then look at other opportunities with a, a long term strategy in mind. And, you know, when I started off with credit, I started with one card. It was a simple cashback card. Actually, no, my first card was not a cashback card. It was a points card, but I, I used it. I used the rewards. It was a State Farm credit card. I used the rewards just to pay my State Farm bill. So like when I saved enough points or used the card enough to earn enough points and pay that off, that was when I was like, whoa, well, what else can I do with this credit card and points game? Because it's the same fast food. It's the same gas. It's the same groceries. But now I'm getting a return on that. And, and that's, you know, from a personal consumer standpoint, a business owner standpoint, it doesn't matter. The fact that people don't they just don't understand it and that we don't talk about it, which I think is the biggest problem is we're afraid to talk about it. That's where I hope, you know, shows like your show and what I'm trying to do and, and the movement that we're trying to create, I really hope it does make an impact on this world. Yeah, most people just using cash or debit cards and getting 0% return. It's interesting because a lot of these merchants are baking fees into the prices that they're charging. So when you're going to the grocery store and buying like $200 in groceries and you're using cash, you're paying for us who are using credit cards 
you're paying those interchange fees or the merchant services fees, whatever you want to call it, and getting 0% back. But we're using cards giving us like 4x points, 6% cash back. I have the Altitude Reserve, which is giving me 4.5% back on everything using mobile pay. So the, re the rewards add up. And okay, maybe on that 100 or $200, the so-called everyday spend, it's not moving the needle as much. But when we're getting the sign-up bonuses, we're getting the zero APR, we're getting the benefits. And then when we're able to spend in creative methods, creative ways to spend a lot more, then those numbers are becoming bigger as we're able to get more cards and get bigger returns. Absolutely. And I mean, again, I, I look at all the travel. Actually, it's the funniest thing is when I'll post something and somebody will comment and say, where are you going now? And it's yeah, like, yeah. they're like, are you making that much money? And I'm like, do you not listening? To, are you not listening to anything I teach you or tell you? Like, it's all just from spend and credit cards. And and again, without paying any interest. And I show people like, nope, I don't pay interest. Here's all my balances. And they all right. say zero with the exception of the cards that I'm using regularly. Yeah, and the zero APR, very interesting too, because I'm seeing that on a lot of the business cards. And that's not even reporting to personal credit. So when US Bank is giving me like $15,000 credit limit on a business card, and I have zero APR for 15 months, I can run that up to like 14900 ish and just make the minimum payments every month, not paying any interest. And it's like having a $14,000, $15,000 loan from the bank. And I could use that to fund checking accounts, investment accounts to get bonuses and make money on top of that money. It's more cash flow. It's more life agility. It's, it's really amazing. Yep. And again, it all just comes from understanding how a three-digit number works, which again, doesn't take a lot of time and just having a little bit of daily discipline. And it's amazing, you know, how many people don't take advantage of it, but um, it's awesome. It's exciting for me. It's more awesome. It's actually a funny story how when I first got the platinum card, I think it was like five years ago, how many people told me I was flat out stupid for getting an American Express Platinum card, which at the time was only a $550 annual fee. And I remember two people who like flat out were like, you're doing it for show, it's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Not only do they now have it, their wives have it, and like 10 of my other friends have it. And the coolest thing about it is when they all go to the lounge, the Centurion Lounge, because we, we live out of Philadelphia, when they go there and they send that first picture of being in the lounge and they get yeah. the taste, <laughs> that little taste of luxury, Again, it's not like it's a big thing. It's a free couple glasses of wine, beer, champagne, whiskey, food, whatever. But it's that simple little experience where they treat you like luxury. And and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this whole credit thing makes sense. Plus, you can justify it so easily. And, and I, ugh, it's just it's so much fun teaching people this stuff and how it works. Yeah, people get really hung up on the annual fees. But with almost every annual fee card, I'm getting a really huge welcome bonus that's easily offsetting the annual fee in year one. And then in year two, when that annual fee posts again, usually you can call the bank and say, hey, I'm considering canceling the card because the annual fee is so high. Are you going to give me anything to offset that? Sometimes what they'll issue a statement credit, they'll give you a retention offer to offset it. So what's been your experience with these annual fees past year one? So it's funny you mentioned that too, because just last night on my TikTok channel, I went to do a video because a guy, I posted a video about American Express and he goes, what's the big deal about American Express and the Centurion card or the Platinum card? It's not even that big of a deal because anybody could get it. And I said, do you know how many hundreds of America or hundreds of millions of Americans can't get it because they don't have credit? They come from a world where they're taught they'll never have anything that good. And in reality, it isn't that big of a deal for somebody who comes from a lot of money, but for somebody who, like me, came from nothing, it's a huge deal. And when they said something about the $700 annual fee, I hadn't been on American Express general site in a while because there's no new cards that have come out that I would apply for. And when I pulled up the American Express Platinum uh, you know, introductory page showing all the different perks and benefits, 
just on the initial like things that they offer every single year, not including the sign-up bonus, there's at least $990 worth of value that you can spend easily. And that doesn't include the Equinox membership, which is like $300. That didn't even <laughs> include that. I'm talking about $200 airline credit, $200 fine hotels and resorts, the Uber credit, the Walmart credit. And there was one other credit. I'm like, that's $990 without the sign-up bonus, without the five points X back, and without even going to the lounge one time. There's so much value to easily justify the fee. Again, if you do 10 minutes of research and realize how you can use it and implement it in your life. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a complicated card. So usually I don't recommend it to anyone as a first card by any means. But Never. over time, maybe Never. it can be a good fit for them because nowadays I'm usually recommending, Hey, open a checking account with Chase if you don't have one, because it establishes a relationship and you're probably going to get a 200, $300 bonus for opening that checking account. And then you can apply for maybe a freedom or freedom unlimited, maybe world of Hyatt, maybe Sapphire. If you have a pretty solid score, like 725 plus TransUnion. Uh, what, what's, what's your general recommendation? Cause I know you've talked about Chase and starting with them because of their 524 rule. If you've gotten five credit cards in the last 24 months, you cannot apply for another one. And they don't have to be Chase cards. They're any Chase card or any credit cards. So if you've yeah, got your one Chase, one Barclays, one American Express, any five credit cards in a 24-month period, you're automatically declined. doesn't matter if you make a million dollars. doesn't matter if you have an 800 credit score. What I always recommend for all my clients starting with credit is start with simple cashback cards with no annual fee. Why? Because if you don't like the credit game or you're afraid of the credit game, it's no harm, no foul. It's a simple cashback card. There's no points you have to worry about. Because like with points, you kind of have to accumulate enough points. I always say like you got to water the bucket enough to fill it in order to get anything out of it. If you have four cards and you're not using enough of each one, one's Chase, one's Barclays, one's American Express, one's whatever. If you're not using one card and earning enough points, you're never going to use those points for anything. So it becomes a waste. So start with cashback cards, no annual fee, and just get the feel of a credit card. And then once you get that feel, and you see the earning potential, then you have to figure out which bank do I want to ride with? Maybe it's Chase, maybe it's American Express. I personally like American Express for their service. But you pick a bank, and then you look and say, ask yourself these two questions. Number one, where do you spend your money? And number two, what do you want in return? You may have a great credit score, but you're never going to travel. So there's no point in getting a, per a points earning credit card. Stick with simple cashback credit cards. If you know you're going to travel, then you really go back and say, okay, where do I spend my money, both from a personal level and or a business level? And then say, what do I want to do with that? You know, where do I want to travel? If you know you're only flying American Airlines, you may go with an American Airlines card. But if you're traveling and flying to places where your airline may change, then you want to go with a general points like American Express, MR points or Chase UR points and just build up cards that are going to feed that bucket. And by doing that, you can then grow your portfolio. But again, always start off simple, always start off with simple $0 annual fee, cashback cards, and then slowly grow as you get more experience. That's what I try to recommend to people. Yeah, that, that's pretty good because it, it won't make sense for us in Pennsylvania to sign up for Hawaiian Airlines, for example, if we don't have plans to go to Hawaii. <laughs> but yeah, if we could start with Chase and get flexible points and even the option to cash out those points at one cent per point or more, because what the Sapphire Preferred is giving 1.25 for pay yourself back, the reserve is giving 1.5. So for some transactions, you're able to just apply a statement credit using those points and getting like 1.5 cents per point, not so bad, especially, yeah, for those people who aren't going to be traveling. It's like I've known people who have recently have had kids and oh, well, I'm probably not going to be traveling with my newborn, so I might not be traveling for the next two years. Well, okay, you can earn the points later, you can cash out what you have now. 
and still get a good value. I'm not saying like get 0.7 cents a point, but as, as long as you can get like one cent or better, in most cases, most people would probably be okay with that rather than just sitting and not doing anything and not getting new cards. Like of course. all the people just sitting on zero 24, like no new credit cards. Like the standard I hear from people is, oh, I just have a city double cash and I use that for everything. And then at the end of the year, I maybe get like $700 cash back. I'm like, oh, well, you could do a lot better than that. Like some some guys I run into, they're so happy. Oh, I I have my American Express Platinum and I get a free flight every year. And like, oh well, that's interesting because I'm flying a lot more than that. <laughs> like yeah. they think they're getting a lot, but it's like you could level up and do a lot more. You, you know, maybe you won't be as all in as me, and there are people out there doing a lot more than me. But hey, you know, getting a new card every few months, you can plan your spending around it and hit those sign up bonuses pretty easy. I, I think that's not a, a big task set up for yourself some people get intimidated how oh, how am i going to spend four thousand in three months you know sit and think about it and what are your expenses and you're probably already like 2k 3k there and then adding some creative spending will easily get you over the hump if you have to do that i think it's interesting how many people don't look at how many times they make purchases or they have monthly transactions where they could actually use a credit card instead of writing a check instead of paying cash instead of using a debit card like it's just one of those things where I, you know, I do think that, and again, for some people, either it's not how their brain works or it's just not an interest to them. I tell those people, don't get involved. Yes, you should still use a credit card, even if nothing else, but the fraud protection and the simple cashback feature. But, you know, again, for the amount of people that just don't take that little bit of time to learn how that works, you know, it, it's just sad. But it's also, I think, just a, again, I'm always going to go back to the lack of education because it's not taught in the school systems. We don't talk about it at home, and parents definitely don't talk about it with their kids. And I just think that they really should. Yeah, all I remember from high school was, hey, be careful what you sign up for. Don't pay interest, and don't buy things that you can't afford. Like that was home economics, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And just try not to get into debt and be paying high interest on stuff because, yeah, I get junk mail all the time. That's like, hey, take out a personal loan for this like crazy high percentage. Like, okay, well, maybe an extra three thousand dollars would be nice, but not at a crazy rate. <laughs> so I just right. throw it away. How many people do you come across that think credit cards automatically equal interest in debt? Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them for sure. And that's just the and I've heard people saying things there. like, Oh, I just use it in case of an emergency. Well, why only in case of emergency? You could even put it on auto pay attached to a checking account. Like if you're using debit to pay for everything. Like, is it so much different just basically turning a credit card into a debit card and just putting it on auto pay if that's what you want to do? I generally don't recommend auto pay because I'm opening a lot of bank accounts to get sign up bonuses. So I don't want auto pay in one account. And then all of a sudden, you know, that has like a $50 balance and I overdraft. But that's another easy way to make money, especially for people, I would think, making like lower wage jobs or entry level jobs. Hey, Citizens Bank right now has a promotion. Transfer your direct deposit over, get a $300 bonus. So I open bank accounts every few weeks to get these very, very low hanging fruits. So you said the education isn't there for the most part. How did you learn about miles and points? So I learned about miles and points basically from crashing and burning with regards to my finances. I took a business venture and lost everything I had. And then it took me about four years before I could finally get approved for a credit card. Everything I applied for, I got denied, whether it was a credit card or a loan. And when I finally started paying everything back and everything kind of went back to normal, that's how I first started learning about credit. And it was through the credit cards that I was like, wow, not only you know are credit cards good because of the points, but then a credit score and how that impacts your ability to get approved for things. It impacts your interest rates. And it was like, 
it was a win-win-win situation that I was like, there's no way I could not do this. I have to continue to to build this. And I learned by myself. I didn't learn from, in fact, I taught my dad things. Um, I did pay for information. I bought some courses. I bought some books. I bought things to learn. I obviously consumed every piece of information I could find on YouTube. And that's how eventually I got to where I wanted to be. So then you, you translated that into helping others as well as you have a course yourself. Well, it bothered me because there were so many people out there claiming to be credit repair specialists. And that led me down the path of realizing that 95% of them have no idea what they're doing. They bought a 95 or a $45 book called Credit Secrets. They dispute some things and now all of a sudden they think they're credit experts. They charge $100 a month, but at the end of 6-12 months, most consumers A, they didn't learn a single thing about credit. B, their credit scores weren't really anywhere different from the beginning. Maybe there was a little flash in the pan in the beginning because of the dispute. And C, half the time when they said they removed things, three, four months later, all those items, they came back on the credit report. And so I was like, well, there's got to be a better way. And that's when I actually dove into the education behind credit and I understood how credit worked. And I was like, even if you have some bad past, you don't necessarily want to remove it. You want to just build around that, try to pay that off and take care of that do some sort of collateral damage with that, but keep it open so you can keep all that history and then continue to build around it, keeping that history, which will then propel you even further down the line. Yeah, you've talked about some things to rebuild credit. So some secured cards, some like loan programs that are kind of like credit. Depending, there are certain cards like the, I think it's called the uh, Vanilla Sky. It's a Capital One card that basically it's, they take pretty much anybody. And with secure cards, you're prepaying. So there's really no risk to the bank. If some people have had some really missed payments, you know, history recently, I've seen banks like Discover or, you know, other banks that will deny you for a secure card if you're really not paying bills. But if you start with secure card, go with a self-lender account, go with a credit builder account. You can also go with a seed fi account. What these accounts do is basically you're going to pay money every single month and they're going to report to all three credit bureaus as if they were a personal loan. And at the end of one year, two years, whatever it is, you have the choice option or the ability to either get your money back or to start, you know, let's say you want to open up a credit card. There's multiple options that you could basically use those accounts for all the while you're building and showing that positive on-time payment history. Yeah, those are those are really interesting options. I hadn't heard of those before. You sent me to some of your material, SeedFi, that's S-E-E-D-F-I. Correct. And the other ones, if you could spell out. Sure. Or so Self-Lender, S-E-L-F, basically you're lending to yourself. Self-Lender was great. And then there's Credit Builder. It's, you, you can either get a Credit Builder credit card or you could start a Credit Builder account. If you, I think it's just creditbuilder.com. If you go there, they're the other two that I would recommend. But SeedFi, they had a cheaper option. I think their cheapest option was like 10 bucks. You know, again, for there are some people that are unfortunately they are in some really tough positions financially. And, you know, that's why I like helping those people because, again, you don't have to make a lot of money to have a good credit score. Yeah, I like US Bank a lot too because one can open a brokerage account with them and deposit 50 bucks and then open a checking account and then go for one of their secured cards as they have the Altitude Go and Altitude Connect with secured versions. So that can be an easy way in. Uh, the Harley-Davidson card was uh, one of the former methods, but now with the Altitude Go and Connect, that possibly upgrade at the end of the 12-month period or however long it might take to go from secured to unsecured, that, that can definitely propel one and get one started. So there are options out there. All hope is not lost, although it can be <laughs> tough to recover from bad credit or to go from no credit or essentially no credit to good credit. 
I think it's also a good time to mention that if you have a low credit score, that doesn't mean you have bad credit. That just means you have bad history at some extent or no history. When you have lack of credit or no history, that's a very quick fix that one or two simple secure credit cards could fix very, very quickly. If you have missed payments, if you have collections, if you have any kind of bankruptcies or any other type of derogatory marks like that, that's when you have bad credit. That's where it may require a little bit more effort and some work. But no matter where you are, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many collections I had. I couldn't tell you how much money I had to pay in collection debt. If you want to build back, you can do it. You just have to take a little bit of time, invest in the knowledge, and you don't always necessarily want to pay somebody to remove it. You just want to learn how to figure out how to do that stuff yourself. Or you can talk to people like you, Justin, or you can talk to people like me, and we'll help guide you and coach you through that process. Yes, and there's also the authorized user route, as I added a friend who recently graduated from college to one of my American Express cards. And I made him an authorized user on a platinum card, so he was able to use some of the benefits like the lounge access. And his score went from like low to mid 600s up to over 700 after just 30 days of being an authorized user. So the authorized user route is interesting. Can you talk some more about that? Of course, it's funny you say that about the authorized user card because what I would suggest, now I have added my wife and my father and my brother to my platinum card purely for the lounge access and also to get a little credit boost. But one of the things with regards to authorized user is you want to make sure, and this is what I recommend, when you're adding somebody to a card as an authorized user, make sure it's a credit card and not a charge card because the charge card is not going to give them an increase in credit limit. It will give them the credit history, but it won't increase that credit limit. A credit card is going to have a set credit limit, which will help their utilization factor, assuming you're not using too much of that limit on a monthly basis, or at least on the reporting date. Um, I typically try to put them on a regular credit card because, yes, um, I have a credit card that I've had for five years that I basically don't use but I use it once or twice a year. And I put my nephews and my kids on that card so that by the time they're 18 years of age, they're going to have solid, fantastic credit scores. When you're looking at you know, charge cards, they're good for building the credit and the history, but not from the credit limit standpoint. So that's just one of the interesting things that I, I use. But yes, I've done the same thing with the Platinum card. And it's, it's fun when they, they walk in and they get to experience that on their own. Yeah, it's nice. I even intentionally get to the airports earlier just to use the lounges and not get hung up in security, like missing a flight, absolute disaster. I've heard of people like, oh, I got there an hour before and I thought everything was good, but then, oh, I got to baggage and there was a delay or, oh, there was a delay at TSA, this and that. So just getting there early using the lounge is, is a really nice thing. And maybe, yeah, maybe the lounge value at like $15, $20 a visit, maybe more, but I like it. It's nice being there and it's an additional vacation item. The vacation starts at the airport as uh, one of my former guests, Darren Remsberg said. So what are, what are some other credit cards you've had? You mentioned the American Express Platinum, but what are some other cards and some other benefits that you're getting? Um, for me personally, I again, I use American Express, so I stack my cards. The American Express Platinum card, actually, the only time I use that card really is if I'm booking airfare or hotels. Otherwise, I never use that card. Everything else goes, you know, if I'm buying Apple products, it's the Apple card. Um, my everyday purchases, my utility bills, that's all typically going on my everyday preferred card. And then my dining is always going on my business gold card as, along with my internet marketing and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I am brand loyal to American Express and I stack my cards so that every single dollar that I get, I can earn as many American Express MR points as I can. Yeah, generally, I'm not a fan of the store cards, especially early because the welcome offers are going to be so huge 
with Chase, American Express, other issuers, whereas like the Target credit card, for instance, I'm not even sure if they're giving a bonus on that. Maybe it's like a hundred bucks or so. And I know that right now the Target red card debit card, signing up for that gives you 5% off in a $40 coupon. So a lot of people have been signing up for that red card debit card because there's the opportunity cost of, okay, you're taking on a hard pull, it's a 524 strike, all those things. So usually I'm not a fan of starting with the category bonuses because I think like over time, you'll get the cards like the business gold with American Express. And that's the best of both worlds because that's a big welcome offer and the 4X on gas, dining, whatever categories that you use that one for. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and some creative creative stacking, like Giant Grocery Store, we're both local to that. Right now, they have a five times points promotion on most gift cards. And I, I just went today and got an Amazon gift card. So I can use something like MX Gold, personal gold card, get 4X MR and five times back in Giant points on an Amazon card. So it's like a 9X kind of stack right there. And the Giant points are being used to take the price of gas down to $0 per gallon with enough points. So there's a lot of interesting stacking that can go on, not only just using credit, but also using loyalty programs, uh, maybe shopping portals online, maybe Amex offers. You've seen a lot of Amex offers in time as well. A cool story with American Express. I'm a huge steak guy. I love to cook steak. Um, And I had never tried Wagyu steak before. And they had this A5 Wagyu steak through this offer called uh, Gold Belly. And my buddy had told me about it. Actually, the first friend who told me I was stupid for getting the platinum card. He's like, yo, <laughs> check out Gold Belly. They had this thing on steaks. So I pulled it up and checked it out. So it was these $112 steaks that I was able to get for a net $60 because it was $110. And then at our American Express was giving you $50 credit as an offer. So I bought the $110 steaks and ended up, you know, whatever the taxes or whatnot, but then $50 came off of that purchase and it was immediately credited to my account simply for an offer. And I don't use the offers nearly as much as I should, but I've gotten several hundred dollars and they'll tell you how much money you've gotten in offers in a year. It's just amazing, you know, using those cards, using those platforms on top of the points, on top of the sign up bonuses, you now have offers and companies like Chase or, you know, Barclays or whatever, they're now following suit as well. But you're right. There's a lot of, you know, whether it's stacking or points offering or offers, there's so much value to get out of them. Yeah, there was a Staples Amex offer. And this week, our recording on November 16th, 2022, there's a fee-free MasterCard deal at Staples. So getting something like $30 back on buying fee-free MasterCard gift cards and just being able to use those MasterCard gift cards for multiple things like online gambling websites, playing blackjack, uh, and a lot of other creative, creative methods. Um, so I'm giving up like about half percent to the house playing blackjack, but not always because they're giving a lot of offers like, hey, play a thousand, we'll give you free 50 bucks, stuff like that. So playing the basic strategy and being able to do that with stuff that I'm already doing anyway and hey, here's a free 30 bucks from Amex, pretty much. I, I just went to Staples today to ship something that I sold on eBay. So it was already there. There was no significant detour. And it can buy the MasterCards right there and get that $30 on top of it. So it was a lot of, a lot of creative ways to win. Because some critics will say, oh, you're spending a lot more to get these rewards, aren't you? Well, not really. Especially not if it's creative spending. Like, oh, hey, look, I bought a PlayStation 5 and I'm selling that and making a profit. Like, is it really spending? I'm not going into debt, right? Like, I'm just paying everything off. I'm not paying the interest like we talked about. So I'm using it for business purposes and some arbitrage opportunities. 
100%. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, there's just such a misconception that credit equals debt and that you have to go out of your way. And it's like, it's not. Anytime you're using a debit card, you should be using a credit card, point blank. And that's it. You should never, ever be swiping a debit card. I, I mean, sometimes people will even argue saying, don't use a debit card when you're pulling cash out because somebody could scan the card. And if they scan the card, all of a sudden now you're on the hook for that money and you got to prove to the bank, you know, that it wasn't you, that you were scammed, and they're gonna hold your money until that happens. With a credit card, boop, new cards issued, and you're not responsible. Yeah, that's a really good point. Some former coworkers would be really upset because they used their debit card at a gas pump, and then all of a sudden there's this other charge on the card, and oh, now it overdrafted my account, and the bank has to do their investigation. But if we had fraud on a credit card for some reason, we just call in and say, hey, I don't recognize this purchase. And we don't have to pay that 500, 600, whatever out of pocket in the meantime and have to float that money. So having the extra protections is really nice. So this goes into, as we promised listeners, our biggest critic, Dave Ramsey. Uh, <laughs> what, do, what do you got to say? What do you got to say about Dave? So I, I had my episode, so we'll give you some time here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, you and I spoke a little bit about this. Here's what I'm going to say about Dave Ramsey. There's a part of me that respects teaching people not to go into debt. And I, I respect that part of him. Obviously, the guy's done well for himself, and he's helped a lot of people, and he's got a lot of followers. The part where he derails me is where he's like, no credit, you don't need credit, credit is bad, and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, in today's world, like especially in a world where you know we're moving away from cash, so everything is going to credit card purchases or digital purchases and stuff like that, and in a world where fraud is happening more frequently than ever, how do you not with the fraud liability protection, as well as the points earning? So like I look at everything and you talked about this earlier, but it's like anytime you're making a purchase, there's credit card fees. So if you're not getting the one, two, six, you know, four, six percent back, you're overpaying for products. And not to mention the credit score, because if you go to get approved for a job, sometimes they check your credit score. You get approved for any, you know, even if it's an apartment, they want to check your credit score. It's just the history is, do you pay on time? So to tell people you don't need it, don't get it, and, and credit cards are bad in debt, why not just teach discipline and teach the rules of the credit system and how they work instead of saying, no, they're just all bad. No, they're not all bad. It's called just be disciplined and learn the rules. And, and really in, in no time, you can learn the rules of credit and understand how to use them properly and never pay a penny of interest and never get in trouble. And if you do, it's simply because you didn't listen. Yeah, more than 2000 years ago, the Stoic philosophers, that's my other podcast, the Stoic Solutions podcast, they say things like money isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing. It depends on how you use it. And that's what I think of with Dave. It's like, no, credit's not a bad thing if you're using it well, if you're being disciplined. Like, Dave, I have my frugal credentials. Like, when I go to Las Vegas, I save my $10 a month CVS CarePass credit and buy sandwiches at CVS in Las Vegas or salads. And I, I've received some criticism like, you went to Vegas and you ate at CVS? Like, absolutely, I ate at CVS <laughs> out there. That's a quick lunch right outside of Bally's. Uh, so it's like, look, I could still have my frugal cred and not go crazy just because I have plastic or metal or mobile pay or all these things. Like, well, people spend more because they have credit is what Dave says. But if you could be mindful about that, you know, maybe it's not as easy. Credit's not for everyone. People can't handle it. But for those who can be responsible, there's so much to be had. So having this all or nothing approach of all credit bad, he's even telling people have a zero credit score. I mean, is that even possible? 
is that even <laughs> so i don't think a zero is but an na so like when i pull credit for mortgages yes na you know you do have people that have no credit score which doesn't say zero because like i think it's 300 up to 850 so you can't have a zero you would just have an na which basically means no score um i have actually had adults that have come up with an na which means no score um but I, like no like i would never i would never tell people to do that in today's world because again you don't have to do much and i have people that have one credit card that have 800 credit scores so like you don't have to do it takes a lot longer to build that um but you know i i would always tell people have some sort of methods of payment that stay open indefinitely that show you know banks lenders stores whatever that you do pay on time. And yes, you were talking about this earlier with certain store cards. Don't get your, your Victoria's Secret and your Best Buy cards. They're the worst things to do. Get simple cards that you can use every day and get good value from and build a nice credit score. Because if you do have to buy a house, if you do, like even kids, if you want to help kids get approved for school, they need that credit score. So when Dave Ramsey says no credit score, zero credit scores, all this stuff like that, not only does it not make sense, but he just came out with a video and says, buy the house first. And when rates come down, refinance, you can't refinance <laughs> without a credit score. So I don't even know why he's saying that because that goes against every principle that he's teaching right now. Yeah. And he wants you to just buy your car outright as well. Like I'm with him of not buying a brand new, you know, $40,000 car or whatever. But why not get a loan for a modest vehicle and pay a low rate because you have good credit? And hey, instead of having to pay the seven, eight K or more upfront, maybe I could just pay like two seventy five a month and then that money that I otherwise would have spent is now in an account making money. Like every so often I see these um, business bank accounts, even personal bank accounts or investment accounts where it's like, hey, park three thousand over here or so and we'll give you a bonus $500. So like, I'm happy to pay a low rate on an auto loan to make money with that money that I otherwise would have spent. But he's not telling people that at all. It's like, you're just gonna get a super jalopy, like these people living paycheck to paycheck that don't have money. They're seeking Dave to like get out of debt. Like, how are they buying these cars if they don't have a credit score or their NA or bad credit? Like, like what's that all about? Really bizarre. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And again, it's just like saying, you know, Okay, well, then you should never cook over fire. You should never use a knife when you're making dinner. You should never drive a car because all these things you can get hurt. But somehow we teach that, but we won't teach financial discipline and spending habits and understanding, you know, again, if, if you have a problem with credit cards, you can set like I did this with my nephew for his very first credit card. I set a $100 spending limit. Once he hits 100 bucks, it won't spend anymore unless he pays the bill. So that's a great way to teach people little things like that. And that's what you have to do. And this is why I say every Friday or whenever you get paid, like you mentioned earlier, your debit card comes out automatically. Well, fine. Then you act like your debit card. Every Friday, you pull that money out and just pay it off to zero. And you're building credit history. You're never paying interest. You're showing good on-time payment history. And you're building rewards for yourself. It's a win-win-win situation. And Dave Ramsey is just saying, no, nah, you don't need that. And I, I, just, I just don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, he's shouting like you need to spend $100,000 on a Discover card to earn $1,000, which just clearly shows that he doesn't know what he's talking about because nobody's doing that. We're not advocating. I'm only using my Discover it for the category bonuses every quarter, $1,500 and spend 5% back. So that was very easy money for me this quarter as they have digital wallets, but I'm not spending all this money at 1%. Like I'm using other cards that give me, as you talked about, different category bonuses 
and getting multiple cards to get the welcome offers and benefits. So it's really like Dinosaur Dave over here, like not understanding how to play the game. It's like if you were to play poker and like poker is a terrible game. Nobody can win money because I just go blind all in all the time. It's like, well, maybe your strategy sucks. You know, maybe you can have a better strategy to uh, make money from the credit card miles and points game. Well, it's also, you know, to your point right there, as I look at it this way and I say, let's just say conceptually, you spend a thousand dollars a month, right? A thousand dollars a month. And at the end of the year, that's 1200 bucks. Well, 10% is 1,000 to, uh, yeah, yeah. $1,000 a month, it's 12. America loves math, folks. <laughs> 10% is 1200 bucks. 1% 1 is 120 bucks. If I pulled out a $100 bill right now and I handed that to any single person, you're going to tell me they're going to throw it away? I'm not. Even if it's not a lot of money, it's still a lot of money to some people, but I wouldn't throw that away. And you get 2% back. Now you're at 240 bucks. That's just on $1,000 a month. And I know people that spend $15,000 a month easily. And it's like, why would you not get that return on spend? Even if it is, you know, just an extra 300, $500 a year, that's free money. I would never throw that away. Yeah, and personally, I find this very fun trying to figure out the puzzle, optimize the spend, take advantage of certain opportunities. Like there was a dead deal that was one of the easiest spending opportunities where it was a brokerage that allowed you to fund with credit that there was this thing called PayPal key where you can upload a credit card on PayPal and it gave new information as a MasterCard debit card. And you were able to use that PayPal key to fund a brokerage for $5,000. So many people were able to basically invest with credit and they kept the funds in, they withdrew it like a week later and many people actually made money on the investments plus they got the spend in and the credit card rewards. So yeah. events, like, uh, events or opportunities like this pop up every few weeks or some of them are like 24-7 deals that you know we're not blasting out to the entire world. <laughs> They're just we're racking up all this spend and getting some significant rewards. But even for people who aren't playing a higher level game like that, Still, yes, that everyday spend, that organic spend, those extra trips, it's just a cherry on the top as the banks are hoping we get super greedy, pay interest and all that. But if we play the game well, there's a lot that can be had. Yeah, I totally agree, man. And I think that it's great that, you know, you talk about these topics, that you're covering these in your shows, your podcasts and stuff. It's just more people need to talk about this. More people need to not be afraid. More people need to realize that you're not alone. You know, I mean, there's how many millions there's like 56 million people in the United States that have like terrible credit. And I don't even know how many people don't have credit scores. That's probably a stat I never even thought to look up. The percentages of people that have bad credit are so high and it's not necessarily a hard fix. It's just a matter of us working together and taking time and educating each other. And I think the more we educate each other, you know, that education is power. So yeah, and with this also helps with getting mortgages. You help people with that. So can you talk a little bit about credit and mortgages? A hundred percent. I mean, it's funny when people look and they say, oh, you know, I bought a $400,000 house. And if you look and you say, well, if you have bad credit, that's not a $400,000 house. That $400,000 house may cost you a million dollars by the time you're all done, said and done paying the interest versus if you have good credit, that, you know, $400,000 house may only cost you $750,000 over the course of time. But from a monthly payment standpoint, like I can tell you people that with regards to credit um, in the last two years with where interest rates were in the twos and the threes, and now they're in the sixes and the sevens, you know, those people, they don't qualify. But by having a better credit score, you may save $200, $250 per month on your monthly payment simply because of a three-digit number. Nothing else is different. It's the same, per it's the same house. It's the same purchase price. 
The only difference is your monthly outpay is significantly less. And I can tell you when COVID first broke out, there were a lot of banks and lenders that if you didn't have a 700 credit score, you weren't getting a mortgage, period. They flat out cut the, you know, the lending because they wanted to see low risk, you know, high percentage of people that could pay their bills on time. And so, you know, this is another reason why I tell people invest in credit and understanding because just look at, you know, look at retiring. How much easier and more affordable is retiring if you don't have a housing expense versus people right now where I'm, I'm hearing people paying $2,500 to $3,000 in rent for a two-bedroom place. That's crazy. Now, it's okay if that fits your lifestyle. And like, you know, I lived in an apartment up until four years ago because I had the gym, I had um, the pool, I had a handyman, I had all this other stuff. But you know what I didn't get was equity in the last two years, the amount of money I made in my house. I am a fool for not having done this 10, 15 years ago when my friends started buying houses. So, you know, with regards to credit for a mortgage, it's a no brainer. You have to have it and you have to have at least a relatively decent credit profile. You can't just have a, established a credit score and get approved for a mortgage. They do look to see if you have multiple accounts. They want to see a couple different trade lines and they want to see some history. Again, remember the, the FICO 2, 4 and 5 number that they use for a mortgage credit score they actually look back seven years, where a FICO 8 and a Vantage Score 3.0, they're looking back more in the last two years from their score. So it is important to have a couple open trade lines if you're looking to get approved for a mortgage. Definitely recommend a couple credit cards, showing that you can manage them on time, because if you can't hold a $5,000 credit card and use that responsibly, how are you going to get a $250,000 mortgage and pay that responsibly? Yeah, you want, to, you want to show that you have that history. So as usual, the answer to everything is more credit cards. Although sometimes with the mortgages, people worry, oh, if I open all these cards, is it going to totally kill me? They're going to see all these opened accounts. So usually people will put off maybe like six months, eight months or longer of not applying for personal cards anyway. So I always tell people six months before applying for a mortgage, apply for nothing. You want to apply for nothing. You know, 12 months out, you know, you want to plant a couple seeds, you know, maybe get one or two cards. But as long as you have three or four open active accounts at the time of applying for the mortgage, you're good. What I will say is if you have multiple credit cards, what you don't want is you don't want to have a minimum monthly payment on every single card. You want to take 50% of your cards and there's no like written rule about this. But let's say you have three, four or five credit cards. My recommendation is to have 50% of your cards with zero balance. Because those cards aren't going to report a monthly payment. So the 0% utilization is going to help your overall uh, credit utilization factor. But the second thing is it's going to help your debt to income ratio. Because if let's say you have three cards and all of them are reporting $100 monthly minimum monthly payment, that's $300 that comes off of your total debt to income ratio. But if you only have two credit cards or maybe even one credit card and that you know $300 is now $115 or $120, you've just saved that much in debt to income ratio because I've had people that have eight credit cards and they all have a minimum monthly payment and half of them are over 50% utilization. Number one, you're killing yourself from a credit score standpoint. And number two, you're really hurting your ability to buy. If you make a lot of money, that's a different story. But in those situations for people that don't make a lot of money and they don't have a lot of credit, you definitely don't want to go that route. All right, very good. We're coming up to the end here. So I'd like to give you some time to Promote yourself. Talk about the different platforms you have, how people can reach you. Cool. Yeah. So the easiest thing for most people to do is I teach credit. You can go to Facebook. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Instagram. You can go to TikTok. Um, if you go to iteachcredit.com, you will see a little bit about me, about my story, and about the clients that I've helped. 
You're not going to see Lamborghinis and chicks and bikinis. You're simply just going to see educational content and results because that's really all I want people to focus on. Um, you're going to see my personal credit profile. If you go to I Teach Credit, you will see that. I also have a classroom. So if you have interest in a classroom, if you have interest in any kind of one-on-one -on -one strategy sessions, just go to iteachcredit.com. There's a red button. Um, just your name, phone number, email. We'll set up a call. We'll see if it's a good fit. And if we feel it's a good fit, we'll work together. If not, you can still get tons of free content and information just by searching I Teach Credit on all those different media platforms. And you're on social media as well? Yeah. So TikTok, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Um, I do have an online school, but those are the social media platforms that I use. And they'll just search Ryan Alexander. So can you spell your name for listeners? Yeah, it's Ryan, R-Y-A-N. Middle initial L is in Larry. Alexander's my last name, but all my handles all say I teach credit. So it's I T E A C H credit C R E D I T the regular way. Um, the only one that's different is Instagram. It's I teach credit LLC. But uh, yeah, it's I teach credit, and, and no matter where you look, you'll be able to find me. All right, and Alexander A L E X A N D E R. Correct. That is correct. All right. Maybe there could be some alternate spellings for that. <laughs> Hopefully uh, the, the Google results aren't complicated. Who knows? The DREA has come up a couple times, but most people. Ah. DR, so. <laughs> All but right. Yeah. Very good. All cool. right. Thanks for your time today. Anything else you'd like to add towards the end? No, nah, Justin, I just want to say thanks for, for bringing me on here. Thanks for everything you shared. I wish you, uh, I, I hope your show and channel continue to grow because there's a lot of people that need your information. And thanks for sharing this information with other people because everybody here can learn from it. So that's awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for future episodes. Visit hurdygurdytravel.com to contact me, find me on social media, read episode transcripts, and schedule a free consultation. Support the show through Subscribestar, referral links, and buying from my eBay store. Find the show on many podcast platforms and YouTube where you can find bonus videos. A subscribe star subscription will give you special perks, including a custom podcast episode, questions answered by upcoming guests, and monthly private one-on-one -on -one conversations, delving into more advanced topics I don't openly discuss at length in podcast episodes. Visit meetup.com slash Philly Miles and Points to learn about Greater Philadelphia Travel, Credit Miles and Points meetups. I'll be hosting in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, starting January of 2023. I hope to see you in person at a future event. Find a link in the show notes. Listen to my other podcast, the Stoic Solutions Podcast, found at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. My podcast guests and I offer practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.